This is Psalm 91, no, sorry, 95, verses 1 and 2. O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Psalm 100, 4 through 5. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courtyards with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name, for Adonai is good. His grace continues forever, and his faithfulness lasts through all generations. Psalm 116, verses 16 through 19. Oh, Adonai, surely I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have freed me from my bonds. To you I will offer a sacrifice of praise and will call on the name of Adonai. I will fulfill my vows to Adonai in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of Adonai, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Hallelujah! This is Isaiah 12, 1-6. And in that day your Lord will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you will comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah the Lord is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from your wells of salvation. And in that day, you will say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the people, make, the, make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done ex excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, and O inhabitants of Zion, for the great is the Holy One of Israel in your mists. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. So the theme, the common thread between all these is an expression of thanksgiving and joy and gratitude towards God. So that's the, that's the theme of our message today is gratitude. And as part of my preparation for today's message, I actually went and searched the... Uh, the World Wide Web to see what the secular world says about gratitude. Um, so we know that gratitude has been a topic of study for uh, thousands of years. Okay, so even the ancient philosophers, like ancient Roman philosopher Cicero, he's credited with sayings on gratitude, such as his saying that uh, gratitude was not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all other virtues. So he said this, he lived about 100 years before Yeshua, before Jesus, and he said that about gratitude. Um, in fact, if you were to go and look at every major world religion, you would find that they have teachings on gratitude. Um, you know, as far as our modern world goes, though, um, they also have a lot to say about gratitude. Uh, I, I just, you know, the first website that came up um, was actually funnily called The Art of Manliness. So, um, I, it should indicate to you it's probably not the best source for, for gratitude, but I'm going to take it as a, as a generic example of what our secular world says about gratitude, okay? Um, and uh, and it, it really shamed me at first um, 
because it, it said that uh, gratitude is often trotted out around Thanksgiving as a seasonal interest and then put away for another year. I said, ouch. Okay, well, it's true. But uh, regardless of the timing around Thanksgiving, I, I think it's really well a good thing to think about, and it's, it ties in well with what I've been teaching about recently, about Shamish service, um, and additionally about the gifts of the Spirit, and with joy. So this really, I mean, I started teaching about joy at the beginning of this year, um, all the way back in January, and this really ties in a lot of stuff we've been teaching about. And how the secular world does think they know a lot about gratitude. They have uh, experts in the field of gratitude. Um, people get their doctorates even in, in such topics. There's a guy who got his PhD. His name is Robert Emmons. Um, he he uh, teaches psychology at um, California Davis, University of California Davis, and he's an editor of a journal called the Journal of Positive Psychology. Okay, so he likes to think about things positively. Um, he's written a lot of books on this stuff, and and he even gets these books published and sold even in Christian bookstores and on in, um, Christian websites. And, and Dr. Emmons, um, I don't know that he's a Christian or a believer at all, for that matter, but, but his work is sold that way. Um, and he defines gratitude in a way that I did find helpful. He says that it has two parts. Um, he said that, number one, that, that gratitude um, affirms goodness in one's life. Number one, it affirms that there is goodness in your life. And two, it recognizes that the sources of goodness lie at least partially outside yourself. Okay, so I thought that was interesting and that was helpful. I would argue that the source of our goodness is, is virtually entirely outside of ourselves, um, unless you consider the goodness of the Holy Spirit living within you as being the source of goodness in yourself. You know, when God created mankind, he said that it was very good, but then mankind sinned, we are a depraved people, and even when Yeshua was on the earth and was said good teacher, he responded by saying there is no one good except God himself, right? Really questioning if they were seeing him as God or not, uh, but uh, we know that God is the source of our goodness, um, not us in and, in and of ourselves. But even, even in our depravity, as humans, we do have some experiences that generally lead to a response of gratitude for most people. For most people. We experience something nice, and it causes us to feel good, right? We, we have, uh, our body might feel warm, you know? Um, our heart might be uplifted. We might involuntarily smile or laugh. In a, re, in a response to something good. These are basic responses that I believe that God created in us for us to, to have. But yet there is a deeper element to gratitude than just that quick response that I want to talk about. And this is one that we as disciples of Yeshua, we really need to internalize, we really need to cultivate in our lives, a deeper element of gratitude. And, and that's one that is intentionally chosen. Gratitude that's intentionally chosen that is deliberately trained in us, that, that we exercise. Okay. We, we know that we should be exercising, but we need to be exercising in gratitude as well. 
in all circumstances, okay? Exercised in all circumstances in our lives. That it's not dependent on changing conditions, right? But it's in, but on what we decide what, or what the Spirit puts inside of us, right? And it's not, it's not weighted on, it's not dependent on, we're not waiting for someone else to do something for us so that we can have gratitude, but we pursue it ourselves, okay? That we pursue that gratitude ourselves. And I really think this is tied to contentment in, in what Paul wrote about in Philippians chapter 4, 11 through 13, where he said that for whatever circumstances I am in, I have learned to be content, I know what it is to live with humble means, and I know what it is to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment, both to be filled and to go hungry, to have abundance and to suffer need. I can do all things through Messiah who strengthens me. So he's, giving, he's, he's sharing about contentment, but that's contentment because he has the right perspective on gratitude as well, on who is the provider for him in, in, in his life? But yet, we can't forcefully impose or make gratitude by our own will in our life. We can't forcefully do that. It, it has to be uncoerced. It has to be an uncoerced overflow of our heart. Gratitude does. We, you know, I could say thank you all day long to people and not have gratitude in my heart. It could, I could just train, I could train my kids up to say thank you for everything and, and make them look like they're expressing gratitude, but they may not have it in their heart, right? We, can, we can't force it, but we know when it's present inside of us because it rises in our heart. It's really a form of delight in our hearts. It's really a delight in our hearts, and it is a response Gratitude is a response to undeserved grace. So this is something that, uh, that Jerry Miller, Rabbi Jerry Miller, was talking about when he was here with us um, the first time, I think, in, in uh, September maybe, um, or in October. He was talking about that undeserved grace. And, and this gratitude really is a response to that undeserved grace. And that's my, my thesis for us today, is that our gratitude is a response to God's grace in our lives. Now, I'm kind of beginning in this habit, I hope it's a good habit, I hope you like it, um, of kind of, in the, towards the early part of my message, getting into some of the original language of some of the words that I'm focusing on for the day. And so, I like to do this, um, it's helpful to me as I study at least, so I'm hopeful, it's, I'm hopeful that you find it helpful to you. And as we think about gratitude, as you think about grace, some of, the, some of the words that the original languages of the scripture use to describe gratitude or thankfulness, um, one of the Hebrew words that you would hear is todah. Okay, todah. Now, some of you would use this. Actually, I've heard some of you say this because you use it to say thank you to one another. You say todah, thank you, because that's what it means. It means thanks. And that, that word todah comes from the root word yada. That's where toda comes from, is yada. And yada means to praise, or it could also mean to confess. And the object of yada is always, in scripture, it is always God, all the time. The object of yada is always God, to praise or to confess. And, and we associate that or take that to 
todah, our thanks or thanksgiving, should first and foremost be to God as well. Todah and yadah, should, it should be to God. Our praise, our thanksgiving should be to God. Now, one form of yadah, also another form that you might be familiar with um, from some of our songs and from our liturgy, is a word that doesn't sound anything like yadah, but it's hodu. Hodu is a form of yadah, because it's a, it's a, and we sing it, so you might move this song, hodu ladonai kitov, right? This is, you know, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. It, it's, this word is a, it's a command. It's, it's saying, you give thanks. Hodu is, you give thanks. It's a command to do that. It's used in, in 1 Chronicles 16, 8 through 10, where it says, Give thanks to Adonai, Hodu, Ladonai. Give thanks to Adonai, call upon his name, make his deeds known among the people, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of his wonderful acts, glory in his name, let the heart of those who seek Adonai rejoice. Hodu, Ladonai, give thanks, you give thanks. It's a command, you give thanks. Now, Outside of those words, the idea of gratitude is throughout the Tanakh as well. So you don't have to have actually the word for gratitude or the word for thanks to express an idea of gratitude. So one of those words that we look for when we're expressing that idea is barak, or to bless, when we bless the Lord, barak in, in Hebrew. An example is Deuteronomy 8.10 where it says, so you will eat and be full, and you will barak, bless Adonai, your God, for the good land he has given you. Another example is in Job 121. Job baraks God. He blesses God in the midst of his dire circumstances. Now, so there's themes of gratitude prevalent as well throughout the Psalms. We read some of those earlier at the beginning. Um, and it, it's most, most commonly used, this word Barak, we use it in our liturgy in a different form. We, we say Baruch, right? That's, that's a form of the word Barak, is Baruch. And so um, we, we form, begin many of our standard Jewish prayers with Baruch Atad Anai, Eloheinu right? So this is blessed, Baruch, blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe. So in, in, in these prayers... We acknowledge God's sovereignty over, and we ex we're expressing gratitude for the specific thing that's being blessed. So it's a way of, of expressing gratitude when we are blessing something or somebody. We're expressing gratitude as well, and expressing gratitude to God. So those are, the, those are the Hebrew words. There's some Greek words as well that I found really interesting um, in my study, in the, in the New Testament um, text, <clears throat> there is this word eucharistia in, in the Greek. And this, is, this word means uh, thanksgiving. Eucharistia is a, is a word that means thanksgiving in, in the Greek. And it's, it's a form of the word charis in Greek. Um, C-H-A-R-I-S, if you were to spell out a Greek word in English, charis. Um, is the root word of that. And you might be more familiar with that word charis in its related forms of charisma or charismatic. 
you've probably heard of those English words that we've adopted from, even from the Greek there. Uh, there it's the central part of 1 Corinthians 12, and it's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. You know, charisma, it is not some personality trait, okay? You might say, well, somebody, he has charisma. She has charisma in, in her personality, but that's not really what it means. It, charisma in the Greek is a gift given as a result of grace. That's why we talk about somebody being charismatic, the, the charismatics, um, the charismatic movement, the focusing on the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. Um, that's, that's where that comes from. And, and so we have these, this root of charis, which means grace, and, and this word eucharistia, or eucharistia, eucharistia, um, in, the, in the Greek. And many of Paul's letters use this word, or a form of the word eucharistia, as he mentions giving thanks for various people. So anytime in one of Paul's letters where he says thank you to this, or make sure you say thank you to this person or to this person, or I give thanks for you, he's using the word eucharistia in those, in those letters. And, and he's often using it when he's talking about thankfulness to the Messiah as well, or thankfulness for Messiah, the work of Messiah. And there's actually a, a, an interesting wordplay he uses in 2 Corinthians 4.15. Um, you don't have to turn there, but it says, in 2 Corinthians 4.15, Paul says, It is all for your sake, so that as charis, or grace, charis extends to more and more people, it may increase eucharistion to the glory of God. He says, it is all for your sake that as charis extends, it may, to more and more people, it may increase eucharistion, or thanksgiving. So grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So he's using sort of a wordplay in the Greek as he writes there, those two related words. <clears throat> now the word eucharistia, is also mentioned in the first century uh, post-apostolic writing of the Didache. In chapter 9 of the Didache, um, it describes communion. Okay? Now, you might have already been thinking along those lines, because if you hear that word Eucharist in there, you might be thinking of the, that, because that's what the Catholic Church refers to as communion, Eucharist. So if, you're, if you've been raised Catholic or you know this word, um, it's communion in, in Catholicism. And it reflects the early disciples' view of the Lord's Supper as an expression of thanks or thanksgiving or gratitude for Messiah's atoning sacrifice resulting in our redemption. That's what the Eucharist meant, and that's what it means. So uh, I found that really cool um, just to study that. Uh, I didn't know that. Um, so Again, just encouraging you in original language word studies. It's, it's so revealing, pulling this out of the scripture. So again, a plug for Doreen's Hebrew class every other, every other Shabbat, or the first and third Shabbats of, of the month, uh, can learn to read in Hebrew. So those, all those uh, Hebrew and Greek words, they describe gratitude. Yet, even as we looked at Barak, um, you know, the actual word for gratitude or thanksgiving or blessing, it does not have to be present in the scripture. We know that uh, um, we can see responses of gratitude without all those actual words. And, and you can read throughout the Psalms and find many expressions of gratitude um, and other areas of scripture. 
And, and some of those, uh, I actually asked Jessica and Amber, if you guys have some, um, some verses you can read I'm from Psalm 19, if you want to come up and read that, and Jessica, you can read yours. Um, these are a couple other ones. They don't actually use the word, um, but they, they're expressions of thankful, thanksgiving and thankfulness and gratitude towards the Lord. Psalm 19, uh, verses 1 through 4, or in the Tree of Life, it's uh, 2 through 5. The, he- <coughs> Excuse me. the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky shows his handiwork. Day to day they speak, night to night they reveal knowledge. There is no speech, no words, where their voice goes unheard. Their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he pitched a tent for the sun. Psalm 33, 6 through 9. By the word of Adonai, the heavens were made, and their whole host by a breath from his mouth. He collects the sea waters together in a heap, and he puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear Adonai. Let all living in the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke, and there it was. He commanded, and there it stood. Expressions of gratitude don't have to use the actual words, but we can praise the Lord. We can show gratitude um, in the text and just acknowledging his, his glory. And he is worthy. Now, I read earlier also from the text from Philippians chapter 4 about Paul's contentment. And, and I was just thinking about that. And like, how did, how did Paul get to that mindset? Like, how did he arrive when the Spirit inspired him to write those words in Philippians 4. And I, and I really believe it's because he was so immersed in gratitude to the gospel of Messiah, and so immersed in that thankfulness for what Yeshua had done for him. You know, he, is, he had experienced the goodness of God. He had knowledge of the goodness of God. And he had, specifically, he had redemption. He had restoration. He was, that were given to him by our Messiah Yeshua, by Jesus. And his response to that, it went beyond that initial gratitude, that initial acceptance of Yeshua as his Redeemer, but it became in him a really robust gratitude. It became in him something that was deep-seated inside of him, that was intentionally chosen, that was trained, that he trained and he exercised in all circumstances in his life, whether in good circumstances or in very difficult circumstances, he was training that. Some of Paul's circumstances, many of Paul's circumstances, were not pleasant. I mean, you can read in Acts and in some of his letters where he talks about the many difficulties that he endured throughout his life and his ministry. He endured really difficult things, yet his heart and his mind were set on the excellent things of God, and he pursued God, and in doing so, gratitude and contentment overflowed in his life because he continued to pursue God in that. And I would challenge us then, likewise, that when our lives are seemingly overcome with significant challenges, with very difficult situations, that we, in those times, double down in our pursuit of God 
that that's when our lives will overflow with his joy and contentment, with gratitude towards him. When we, when we double down in our pursuit of God, not just in the good times, but in those difficult times. And that, that's going to enable in us a real gospel-centered gratitude because we're, we're just so focused on, the, on our Messiah Yeshua and, and what he has done for us. This gospel-centered gratitude really also should be the motivation for our service to one another and in the kingdom. And, you know, this is how it ties into our Shamash teaching that we've been talking about, the deacons. Um, we've been talking about the last few weeks that, that we serve in the kingdom as a response to what God has done for us. And the reason gratitude is the only motive for service is because Yeshua, Jesus is our Messiah, is the complete substitute. This is like a, a cause and effect relationship when I say he's the, our complete substitute, the substitute for the punishment for our sins. You see, this cause and effect relationship is that our service to God and his kingdom and to our neighbors, that's, that's the effect, okay? The cause is the Holy Spirit working in us, convincing in us, the richness of the richness of what we have in Messiah. That we have something that we believe we know is true in our hearts. And we know what God has done for us. And this true thing is so desirable. It's such good news that we want it and we have it inside of us that it's brought about gratitude as a reaction to us. And we want to serve in his kingdom for that reason. Because we have the richness of Messiah Yeshua in us. We have that gospel. We know what he's done for us. And we're going to live in him and for him and serve for him. But it's more than just a reaction, too. You know, I told you earlier that, that our gratitude response is because God created us this way. And it says that in Romans chapter 1, if you want to go there in Romans chapter 1. Early in his letter to the congregation at Rome, Paul says about God and gratitude, he says, his invisible attributes... His eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen ever since the creation of the world, being understood through the things that have been made. So people are without excuse. Even though they knew God, they did not glorify him or give him thanks. Instead, their thinking became futile and their senseless hearts were made dark. We were created to show thankfulness, to exercise thankfulness. We are without excuse as people. We're without excuse to be grateful to God and to show him gratitude. He created us for that, to honor him. And yet we've failed. As a fallen human race, we have failed at our gratitude towards God. And, but even though mankind fell away right from the Garden of Eden, God still gave instructions on how we are to try, how we are to give thanks to him. And I'm not going to go into detail on this, but <clears throat> the sacrifices, the offerings that God gave and said that we are to approach him with that is this with hearts of gratitude. He even called some of them thank offerings or fellowship offerings. Leviticus chapter 7 and chapter 22 in Leviticus talks about those. We already read some of the Psalms. They give shouts of joy, songs of praise, music, and dances we read. He gave Israel the festivals, his festivals as times of rejoicing, thankfulness and expressions of gratitude. So we, we know that he showed us how to show him gratitude. And he's given many opportunities to do so. He also gave us Yeshua, 
who came. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he demonstrated a perfect example of gratitude when he came to the earth. And I want to look at some of those examples today, of some of the examples that Yeshua gave for gratitude. Um, in, in, go to, first to Matthew 11.25. If you go to Matthew 11.25, it says that... Uh, <clears throat> let me turn there first before I read to you what it says. At that time, Yeshua said in response, I praise you, Father, the Lord, Lord of heaven and of earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and discerning and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was pleasing to you. So the context there, when he's saying, I praise you, Father, he's reflecting on the division of those who have accepted him and those who have rejected him. There's a, there was a division there. And there were cities where his mighty works had been done, but they were unrepentant. They were not accepted. This is the, the prophet without honor verses that you, that if you would read to that previously, okay? Um, so Yeshua is praising God, and, and then he's, he's showing how there are some who are unrepentant, and unrepentance is tied to unthankfulness. And it, it's hard to be repentant, too, if we, if we don't have a thankful heart. It is very hard to be repentant, but if it is a lot easier to be repentant when we're, all, when we're also cultivating gratitude in our, in our hearts towards God. So that's one verse. Uh, John eleven forty one, is another one. So they rolled away the stone. Yeshua lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. John eleven forty one. What are they talking about? Well, that was, he goes on to raise Lazarus from the dead. And, and he is expressing thanks to God that he has heard him to raise Lazarus from the dead. He wanted to come there, and he waited until Lazarus died. He waited on purpose until Lazarus died so that gratitude could be expressed appropriately as well. If you go back to Matthew 15, 36, Yeshua is feeding many people. It says he took the seven loaves and the fish, and after giving thanks, he broke them and began giving them to the disciples and the disciples to the crowds. He's giving thanks before a miracle even happened. He knew what it was about to happen, and he's showing gratitude in advance to the Father for what he's about to do for the people. In Luke 22... Go to Luke 22, starting in verse 17. This is at the Last Supper. It says, when, we had ta- when he had taken a cup and offered the bracha, the blessing, he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I tell you that I will never drink of the fruit of the vine until, from now until on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken the matzah and offered the bracha, the blessing, he broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in memory of me. In the same way, he took the cup after the meal, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant, my blood, which is poured out for you. So the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they record Yeshua expressing gratitude at, of thanksgiving at his last Passover Seder before he was crucified, before he died and was resurrected. And we see it, the example of that. Paul reads 
Paul recounts that in, in 1 Corinthians 11. He recounts that in 1 Corinthians 11, where he says, where he says that, uh, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Yeshua, this is in verse 23, on the night that he was betrayed, took matzah, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in memory of me. So we have this many examples of Yeshua giving thanks. He's the perfect, thankful human. God came as a human, as a man, perfectly thankful. And he not only died to forgive our failures, our failure to give thanks to God, the thanks that he is due, but he also lived the perfect life of appreciation on behalf, on our behalf towards the Father. And so in doing so, through his sacrifice, he freed us to live what I will tell you is a doubly thankful life. I want you to think about those words, a doubly thankful life. Because we're not just created for gratitude, we are created for gratitude, as it says in Romans 1, but we have also been redeemed. So we should have gratitude for that redemption. So we have a reason to have double gratitude or be doubly thankful in our lives. So it's fitting for us then. It's fitting for us as, as God's created being to be in this continuous posture of gratitude towards, towards our Creator. He made us this way. He made us to be grateful, to have gratitude towards Him. And it's, it's even more fitting, we are redeemed rebels, okay? That's who we are. We're redeemed rebels. And, and we should be in an ongoing posture of gratitude for our Redeemer. And it's this combination of gratitude that we should have for the gospel and, and as a created being that we should be expressing. It's, this is the kind of life that we should be living, that we should, that we should see flowing in us as the amazing grace of continual thankfulness flows through us in our lives. This is the kind of life which each of us as born-again disciples of Yeshua are being continually renewed for, progressively being made into the image of our Messiah Yeshua, as it says in Romans 8, 29. You know, Paul, our, the Apostle Paul, he encouraged us also in this life as well. I'm going to read to you several verses that the Apostle Paul encouraged us in today. In Colossians, Colossians 1, 11 through 12, he says, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance, patience, and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Colossians 2, 6, and 7 says, Therefore, as you have received Messiah Yeshua as Lord, so continue to walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and establishing your faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Later in uh, same, the same book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, he says this three times, so you got your hat trick here. He says, Let the shalom of Messiah rule in your hearts, to this shalom you are called in one body. Also, be thankful. Let the word of Messiah dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In his letter to the Ephesians, 
chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, he says, Be filled with the Ruach, the Spirit, singing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. In 1 Thessalonians 5, this is the last one I'll read here, verses 16, starting in verse 16, it says, uh, Rejoice always, pray constantly, in everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Messiah Yeshua. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic messages, but test all things, hold fast to what is good, and keep away from every kind of evil. This is God's will for you. This is not me saying this, this is the Holy Spirit saying this. He wrote that through Paul in 1 Thessalonians. This is God's will for you. If you're wondering, what is God's will for you? What is God's will for my life? I will tell you what God's will for you. To rejoice always. To pray constantly. In everything, give thanks. In all circumstances, to give thanks. He's not pointing us towards any secular idea of gratitude, though. He's pointing us towards Yeshua. That's where your gratitude needs to be. That's where the source of all your gratitude needs to be is Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah. It's only in His grace that we are able to continually become in his image, that we are continually becoming in the image of, of, of Yeshua, that we are becoming who God created us to be. Remember what I mentioned in, earlier in, in 2 Corinthians 4.15? I, I said it has both charis and eucharistia, this wordplay in Greek. The Spirit through Paul, he wrote that, and that could be translated it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase gratitude towards the glory of God. As grace extends to more and more people, it may extend gratitude towards the glory of God. Gratitude. Toward, to what? To the glory of God. To the glory of God. It's it's. He, God, this is such an interesting thing to wrestle with. God's glory. It's an incredible thing to wrestle with. I was actually, Lisa and I were on a walk yesterday, and, and I mentioned this to her, this, the, this idea that, you know, God, God reveals his glory, just like at Mount Sinai. He reveals his glory, and he creates us to glorify him. He creates us to have gratitude towards him. Because he is the only being that, you know, he's not being selfish to want us to glorify him, to direct all praise to him. Okay? We as humans, we should not be directing praise towards us. And so may, we have a hard time maybe wrestling with this in the sense of, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be a, uh, asking you to praise me, or you shouldn't be asking God to pray, or somebody to praise you, but we can all praise God. And it's not selfish of him to want us to give him glory, because he is glorious, and he is the only source of glory. And it is, and without that, we would have no goodness in our lives at all. So we have to give him glory. We have to 
He's, he is so graceful to us to allow us to praise him. That is, that's what is really being said in, in 2 Corinthians. It is by his grace that we can have gratitude towards him. And he's given us grace so that we can do so. And this is so important for us to tie these two things together, grace and gratitude. Because that, it's, without that relationship, you don't know what gratitude is. You don't know what real deep-seated gratitude is. You'll just have those initial responses, but you won't, it won't be deep-seated like Paul writes about in Philippians chapter 4. So I'm going to wrap up today. Um, if somebody can go get the kids in the smaller class. Thank you, Evangelina. Nope, Evangelina's got it. You guys. Thanks, kids. Appreciate it. <laughs> I got like four volunteers from the older kids' class that are like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Tell you what, you can get that communion table going with somebody else to help you out. My encouragement for you today as we close, though, is that we have to first identify ourselves as those who are redeemed in Messiah Yeshua. That's first and foremost. We have to identify ourselves as those who are redeemed in Messiah Yeshua. By grace, by charis in the, in the Greek, by grace through faith you have been bought by the blood of Yeshua. And you have been added to the covenant by which he calls you his own. So if you've not accepted that free gift of God, that's the first place you've got to start today. You've got to accept that today. That's the first thing you have to do. And perhaps you've already accepted it, but you have forgotten your identity as you've been consumed by the pressures of this world, temptations, distractions of this world, Black Fridays of this world. You know, I don't know. <laughs> it's a distraction, right? My plea for you today is that you return to the one who gave his life for you. You return to the one who gave his life for you. Return to your identity in Yeshua, and let the grace of his redemption be all-consuming and all-encompassing in your life. And then for each of us, as our lives become that living expression of the gospel, we will be those who express gratitude in everything that we do, that it's going to be overarching in our lives, that gratitude is overarching in our lives, in our thoughts, in our prayer time, in our worship time. It's going to be foundational to our service in all that we do, so as, as we shamish, as we serve in the body unto other people, we will have a deep-seated gratitude, and that deep-seated gratitude will not be dependent on our circumstances either when we're experiencing difficult things. So just remember that our gratitude, it begins with grace. It begins with undeserved grace from God. What we have is what he has given to us. And all that we do not have, all that we, sorry, all, all of that, all of that grace that he has given to us, it's not because we deserve it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve that grace. This is undeserved grace, okay? That's the, that's the reminder. This is undeserved grace. Yeshua, he is gracious. His riches are free. And therefore, because he has given that, that to us, the gratitude to him should well up in our hearts. We have received abundant grace. We have received a free gift of righteousness, it says in Romans 5.17. So this is more than just saying thank you to God. It's more than just trying to return some service. It's more than just being glad that you're free from condemnation. 
that's a good thing. You should be glad for that, but it's more than that. It's being glad towards Yeshua for the riches of salvation and the way he made it ours. And, and allowing that grace to really, truly penetrate our hearts. And then rebound back to God in gratitude towards him. It's reflecting back to God. It's penetrating us and changing our hearts and reflecting back to God. This good God that we have and enjoy that we feel by his face shining upon us. Amen? Amen. Amen.